insurance agents from around the world welcome to the insurance guys podcast powered by Glovebox. god i love Glovebox. my name is scott howell your fearless host and leader insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for i protect insurance and financial services based out of huntsville alabama and before we get started on today's episode please help me welcome he is a six foot three sophomore from mobile alabama parade first team all-american rivals five-star recruit he is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend ladies and gentlemen please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable mr bradley flowers how are you bradley i'm good scott how are you best i have ever been i am in mobile alabama today bradley i got something on my heart i need to get off my heart today okay folks i'm scared Bradley and I just had a conversation about a vehicle that he purchased over at Infinity. And if you went to the One City World Tour, you heard me talk about customer service. And, you know, we talk a lot about customer retention in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to keep customers and clients and members or whatever you want to call them for that life cycle, that seven to 10 year period, which is really where you make your money in the insurance business, mm-hmm. right? Have you, Bradley, noticed, and, and I'm I'm asking this, and I want you to be an innocent third party. Have you sure. have you noticed how shitty the service is in pharmacies? Oh yeah. Bradley. Well, uh, it's everywhere, man. Bradley, I went I had a, a medication that my pharmacy it See, was, Alice. It was on back order. How did you know that? <laughs> Viagra, actually, but what was it, was it really? About the same damn thing. Was no, it really? no, no, oh, okay, no. good. I'm, I'm playing along. But my my pharmacy had on back order. And Walgreens, uh called a Walgreens down the road. They had it, but I accidentally gave my doctor the wrong address for that pharmacy. So I had to go to two separate pharmacies. Okay, let's start with a start. First of all, every single pharmacy tech that you go to go up to the thing to get your medication mm-hmm. acts like they have been chained to the floor. <laughs> and that is the last place on earth that they want to be, which I don't blame them, by the way. Then you walk in the pharmacy and you've got that one person that's in there that's already mad because either their drugs on back order or they don't have another refill or they can't find the script. So they're pissed off. And what do you mean? My doctor called this in three days ago. So I'm standing there watching this lady do that. And then about that time, some old boy that comes in there all the time, because there's always like one of those crazy ass people in the, in always, the pharmacy yeah. that like, you can just tell is not right. This guy walks up to the pharmacy counter and he obviously knows the women behind the pharmacy counter and he must come in there every day. And he asks, and I'm sitting down in a chair waiting on my medication. He goes, Hey, if you cut your toenails, can I buy the clippings from you? And I thought, Oh, he says that here. No, no, to the the lady pharmacist behind the counter. (laughs) And I thought, Oh boy, here (laughs) we go. Albie's face. This. This pharmacy thing, guys, is turning into the DMV. It is yeah. turning into the DMV. These people will literally throw your pharmacy bag out you at you out the window. I mean, I think it's because of all the idiots they have to deal with. They're just I'm, over it. They, hey, uh, could you cut your toenails and I'll I'll buy the clippings from you? And I was like, Well, I've heard everything now. There's nothing left for me to hear. I swear on I'll, on my son's life that happened. I promise. I'll tell you. 
you said something earlier that really resonated with me is that because you and I are in sales and own businesses, right, and we focus and are in so customer much on service, customer service, that we are hypersensitive we in are. a sales situation, in a customer service situation, and I've in in pretty much ever since the world started getting back to normal or the right. new normal after COVID, there has been a general lack of customer service malaise (laughs) there's been a a, a, i don't know what that word means but there's been a lack of customer service in every industry restaurant industry every industry right and i think the problem is it's a lack of empathy Mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be any empathy towards the customer Mm -hmm. in any situation Mm -hmm. and i know that people on the other side are going to say well Customer service employees have been getting taking a beating from customer forever for, from customers forever, mm-hmm. and they're just tired. I, I get that, but if you're if you're listening to this or watching this, and you are in customer service, and you want to improve how your day goes, mm-hmm. when you deliver bad news, deliver it with empathy, mm-hmm. even if you have to fake it. Okay. Let me get let me tell you how this should go. Mm. I went into a pharmacy right down the street here. Coincidentally, a month ago they went out of business. I hope you got I went into a pharmacy. Toenail clippings. I went into a pharmacy. I was sick. Okay. I went and bought some mucinex, right? And I couldn't pull the mucinex off the shelf. Mm. Right. I had to get the little card and take it to the counter. Sure. Right. And I remembered that my doctor had told me that I needed to take Allegra every day. Mm-hmm. as a daily regimen, sure. right? And so I see the Allegra and I grab the card for it and I walk up there and I give them to the lady and she says, you can't buy both of those. And I'm like, oh, and I'm the type of guy, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to ask why. Sure. I'm not just going to like, I want you to explain. I said, why? Because you can't buy both of those. And I'm like, I don't understand. And she kind of like, we had a whole exchange or whatever. And I'm like, I went, I left that pharmacy so freaking triggered like i was like i'm telling you i was just ready to to, to fight somebody and well, i said this, this, and, and i thought to, I, this was two months ago i thought to myself i said you know that would have been so much better if she would have said i'm so sorry right i can't sell you both of those at one time because the one. government has this regulation because sure. people try to make meth sure deliver bad news with empathy if you're in customer service and I'm assuming you're undertrained. If you will do one thing, if you will deliver bad news with empathy, your day will be a lot better. Caleb, that's the best clip he's ever done. Make sure that gets clipped. Uh, there's never been anything that you've ever come out of your mouth. I agree with more than what you just said. And the Chick-fil-A. I don't know what we do as a country uh, relative to the cu- customer service that is now just non-existent. But it seems like whether it's an Infinity dealership or your pharmacy, or my yeah. gosh, if anybody listening to this has been to a fast food place, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it is well, like they throw the bag at you, and, I, th- and th- I think a little bit of it too is absentee ownership. For sure, I was, I was about to say it's it's on the owners too, and I think I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I think the tipping culture has gotten out of hand too uh, oh, tremendously, started. and I think it's I think it's the owners' faults. For, for, you know, hey, I'm not going to pay my people quite as much, mm-hmm. but you can make tips. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's kind of causing this. I went to a, 
uh, I won't say what I won't say what business I went to because it was a friend of mine, but it was a it was a food truck, but it was a prepackaged good. Nothing had to be made. It was a seven dollar item. Mm-hmm. The lady reaches down, pulls a prepackaged item, sits it on the thing, and whips the iPad around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right. What, what am I tipping? Like in that situation, like you right. did not serve me. I'm only tipping you because your boss is underpaying you. That's the only reason I'm having to do that. Right. Right. And the, the tipping culture has just gotten out of control. Absolutely. Guys, we've got a very special guest on this podcast today. And by the way, I tip 25, 30% when I go to a normal restaurant. You know, I take the tax and double it. You know? I, I, I can't. Well, <laughs> So you go down to Callahan's and you end up (laughs) digging through the trash can, but uh, we won't talk about that again. Uh, Guys, we've got a very, very special guest on today, and I've got a bunch of questions I want to ask him. I love him so much. He is so knowledgeable. I had the chance and the opportunity to break bread with him when we were down at the One City World Tour. Uh, My wife was actually sitting between us, so I didn't get to talk to him as much as I'd like. But if he comes on this podcast today and asked me to go this afternoon with him down back down to that restaurant for those elk sliders. Bradley, you'll be podcasting by yourself tomorrow. I can tell you that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he is originally from Athens, Georgia, and he currently resides in Apex, North Carolina. He's married to the beautiful Natalie. Shout out to her. And he has three beautiful babies, Elena, 26 years old, Abby, 24, and Riley, 17. Guys, I'm going to tell you something about your daddy. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's a good human being. Uh, he is, he has accomplished a lot in his life. He has a resume of success and you all three should be very, very proud of him and what he's accomplished. And I'm not going to get emotional today, but I'm telling you, I hope, I hope that you get a chance to listen to this podcast because you should be very proud of him. He is a graduate of the University of Georgia. Go Dogs, uh, national championship football program two years in a row now. And he is currently, Brad, I don't know if you know this or not, mm-hmm. in progress of reaching his MBA at East Carolina. Which okay. is, that's, that's a big deal right there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you my profound honor today to introduce my friend, Mr. Albie Knight. How are you, Albie? Scott, I'm great, buddy. Thank you for the kind words. You're you're way too kind and generous there, but much much appreciated, my friend. Man, we've got a lot to talk about. We got to spend a little bit of time together down at the One City World Tour. I, I know that you've got a lot going on right now in your life and in your world. I was unaware of the master's degree program you're working on. How much of a time suck or time element is that for you right now, or is that is that manageable for you? You know, well, so. I am not taking a class this semester, so okay. it's uh, so it is zero time suck this semester. Um, I've sort of put that on the back burner. I got I got about seventy the way seventy percent the way through with it, uh-huh. and have sort of taken a little bit of a reevaluation period, just because it is it is a big time commitment, and then you know everything has opportunity cost, right? I mean, you, you sit there and and you think about the time you're spending doing this, and mm-hmm. are there are there other ways to learn and to grow professionally, and are you you know is it the best utilization of time? So well, I put that. Did on, you get your uh, financial aid approved? Yeah, no, no that that was that was not that was not part of the prize. That was not part of the prize. So I'll be uh, I, I, this this topic has special meaning to me, and I've I've spent five years of my life cultivating this persona with the 
insurance guys podcast that I'm just some redneck backwoods hick from Alabama that's not smart and I don't know how to do anything. But for the last two years, the University of Vanderbilt has been all over me wanting me to go through their master's degree program in business. You should. And I have thwarted them off at every pass. They call, they text, they email, they've done everything but send a Chinese weather balloon over my house. <laughs> they tried to and, do and that last week. They did. It didn't, did. Okay. work. It ended up over in Myrtle you know Beach. What, you know what the data was you know what the data that was sent back to China said? No. My God, those people have a lot of dollar generals. <laughs> <laughs> and why are some of them so close together? <laughs> Bradley Flowers has just told the greatest joke I've ever heard, I believe. <laughs> and so true. You know, that's what they probably did. They were like, oh, this ain't going to work. Anyway. Well, it's funny that people talk about this Chinese weather balloon. Like, oh, my God, what kind of data are they getting? And the people who are saying that are saying it on TikTok. Right, right. You are talking about this weather balloon this this 8,000 feet up in the air is stealing data <laughs> And is sending it back to the Chinese. And you were talking about that on an app that's from China that is owned by the Chinese, of which you agreed to tons of yeah. terms and conditions that give them access to your data. Well, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll shut up. I'm, I'm off my soapbox. So I, I live in Huntsville, Alabama, Albie, which is the home of all defense contractors and Redstone Arsenal, which is and where a lot, General. a lot of our uh, national defense secrets are things that we do militarily speaking i can tell you right now guys without a shadow of a doubt from what i know we could jam a chinese weather balloon so that it couldn't see or send anything back to china in about 0.2 milliseconds okay so please don't be worried about that now you know i don't know how it got over our airspace and all that good stuff but i do know the technology uh we had a weather guy come on uh abc news one night local news and he said up. Uh, I'm going to show everybody the the radar, the Doppler radar for North Alabama right now. It, it was sunny and like 70 degrees that day. The Doppler radar was solid dark green over North Alabama. And the reason it was solid green was the one of the defense contractors working for the government had come up with a technology, a radar jamming type technology, where they released something in the atmosphere. Hmm. That made it look like we were like, you know, getting three inches of rain. It's 5G is what it is. And he's like, I can't explain this. All I can tell you is there's something going on at Redstone Arsenal that is making the entire northern half of the state of Alabama look green wow. on this radar. So they have to have technology to be able to block that. So I'm not too terribly worried about it. But, Aubie, tell me about you. I want to know, uh, getting back to the college thing, I, I – NBA uh, program at Vandy. I keep thinking, what would my why be? And the time, the time element of I that. Like we do should I have... crowdsource bully you into doing it. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Aubie? Is the juice worth the squeeze? I guess is yeah, my yeah. And, and and I guess being a 70 percent the way through, I'm sort of evaluating that now, Scott. Because I mean, yeah. to be to be perfectly candid, a yeah. lot of it just felt like busy work, right? You know, right. I mean, just just absolute just redundant busy work right and that's not and i wasn't degrees and and i wasn't overly thrilled with the quality of the online education you know um sure. some, prof some professors were great and obviously 
Some were just absolutely phoning it in with very, very old pre-recorded lectures that hadn't been updated, you know, that that would still refer to current events, mm-hmm. you know, quote, you know, mm-hmm. quote, current events of things that had happened seven, eight years ago. And they and they hadn't updated their lectures. I mean, it, so so there was a bit of a disenfranchisement yeah. with just kind of the quality of the work. I understand. Um, I was on a board one time, Abby, and uh, we were it's not important what we were doing, but I was we were talking about a marketing strategy for a project we were working on. And the guy, there was a guy who was opposing me. We had a opposing viewpoint. Sure. And a very respectful discussion. Still one of my very good friends to this day, older gentleman. And he said, well, I graduated with a degree from of in marketing from the university of South Alabama in 1982. Mm. So I should know. Mm. And I said, sir, respectfully, if you graduated from the University of South Alabama with a degree in marketing last year, you're, the information you got would be outdated. Correct. Right. Right. That's how fast it moves. Right. Like, let alone the fact that all the lectures are going to be pre-recorded, or sure. a lot of them are. Sure. Abby, I want to talk well, about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. No. And plus, and plus, that's just the worst appeal in an argument, anyway, to appeal to some yeah. level of authority. Oh well, I've got a degree from here, or I've got this title by my name, or well, sure. you know, like it, that doesn't have anything to you, do with. Yeah. Or the the you see this in like IAOA a lot. I've been doing this for 38 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, that doesn't make you any more wrong uh-huh. or any more right. Like like right. It, 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 the argument is the argument is the argument, right? Yeah, it, exactly. It, the amount of time you've you've been doing it carries a little weight, but not a lot. Right. That's exactly yeah. right. Abby, I've got a lot to talk to you about today. Let's start with a start. I wanted to talk to you about the last time you came on our podcast, and I can't remember exactly the date, but I do remember talking about you were going with a group. I believe it was like a a college university trip over to London. I lived over in London for two years, really enjoyed my time over there. Yeah, when when you were with the Corps, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, talk, tell our listening audience, I love to hear these stories. And Bradley and I have this uh, bucket list uh, idea that in the next few years, we want to to get over to Lloyd's and go, uh, you know, just go up there and check it out. So t- tell our listening audience what it was like. Yeah, sure. So I've had the good fortune and opportunity to, to go to London on business uh, several times. One of the unique things that IIANC does is we act as the insurance agent for the state of North Carolina. So uh, we work very closely with the state of North Carolina's risk manager and that risk management department. And then they, the, the risk management department of the state really determines what the insurance needs are of the state. But then they come to us and we procure that insurance. So obviously one of the, one of the big accounts that we deal with every year is the state of North Carolina's property account. And it's, you know, it's one of the largest property insurance accounts in the world. It's, you know, about $80 billion of, of insured mm. values. And it's on a, it's on a, you know, we've got a property tower, it's layered and shared. And depending on the market cycle, a uh, significant portion of that is placed in, you know, in the London market. So sure. part part of that is going to London each year to work on the state's property insurance uh, renewal. This trip that that happened earlier in the year, is uh, we we've got three risk management programs that uh, academic programs at universities in North Carolina, uh, UNC Charlotte, App State, mm-hmm. and and East Carolina, right. and um, they each have a you know international insurance uh, class, and part of that class 
is they they generally take a tour to um, either London or Bermuda and tour tour Lloyd's and whatnot. So that that trip back in the fall, Scott was I think I was kind of an industry an, an industry advisor that was accompanying the students from UNC Charlotte, and uh, we went and it, it was it was fantastic because not only did we do uh, Lloyd's of London and and visit with a number of the Lloyd syndicates, we also went to Wells. And Wells has a pretty big um, fintech, insurtech accelerator operation in Wells that I was able to tour and meet some folks over that are working on the fintech space in the in the UK. And then they've also got some insurtech, you know, insurtech startups, early stage companies specifically, some companies that are doing some really interesting things with uh, parametric flood insurance and, mm. and and that type of thing. So uh, it was it was a fantastic trip and probably my favorite part about the trip was I, I was able to take my youngest daughter Riley with me and uh, we had one day of sightseeing like a, a total free day and we we were pretty adventurous we hopped on the train and went to Paris and just spent a full day in Paris and then took the train back to London late that night and and it was uh fantastic and just you know great great memories to to make with her hey uh before I, I you just opened up Pandora's box I've got like <laughs> 30, 35 questions now but before I get to that one of my claims to fame, and I've always told people that I was going to write a book, and the book title is going to be Don't Go to Paris on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll be, I have been to Paris, France two times, a day trip similar to what you did, took the train over to Paris. The freaking Louvre is not open on Tuesdays. Mm. So I've been to Paris twice uh, and have never gone to the freaking Louvre. You're about to, to see say something Lisa. horrible happened both times. No. I had a buddy whose lifelong dream was to see Jimmy Buffett in concert, and oh, had wow. been three times, and all three times got in a car accident on the way there. Wow. Oh no, that's granted. That's... The third, the third one was he hit a puddle of water in a BM in his BMW, and water went into the intake. So it wasn't really an accident, just a car broke down. Remind me to tell you my parrot head. I used to be a parrot head. I used to go to put bubble concerts all I'm time. not shocked. Remind me to tell you my Birmingham Jimmy Buffett concert story. Guys, can the I, fact I, that I, he does not want to say that on the air it, scares the ever-loving crap it's, out of me. Uh, <laughs> it's, an, it's an interesting story that involves a young lady in a limousine and a bunch of people watching Scott do things he shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> okay. in so. uh, do those kids have any idea how cool what they're seeing no, I like, like, don't. like, do they understand that every insurance agent out there would kill to go to Lloyd's? Right. Yeah. You know what? I think they do. I mean, I, 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 I remember, um, it, it's just super cool. I mean, it really mm -hmm. is. And, and it, and it's nice to be over there and talk to the syndicates when you're kind of on an educational trip. Yeah. But I do, I do remember, and, and I had luckily I had been there on kind of some educational and touring mm -hmm. events before I had to go over the first time with the state's risk managers and work on the state's property insurance. Gotcha. But, but my first time at Lloyd's, when you're literally sitting with the syndicates and sitting in underwriting boxes and going through a very large property insurance count, um, it, it's almost like you you felt like you were playing basketball and in Cameron or Madison Square Garden, yeah. or, you know, I mean, it was like, holy cow, this I'm, right. you know, well, those, I'm, for those I'm, of you, go ahead. No, no, I mean, it's just like this is this is uh, not something that a lot of insurance folks get get to ever do. Yeah, for those of you listening too, if you have an Oculus mm -hmm. VR headset, you can download. There's a YouTube app. It's called YouTube 360. It's the Oculus version of YouTube, and if you go in there and type Lloyd's of London, it's 
there's not that many 360 videos of Lloyd's of London. There's one in there that actually takes you through the process of talking to each underwriter and negotiating what percentage of the risk they're going to take. Really? It's really, really neat. Now, the video is older, so it's not as clear as as like it's like it's not as clear of a video as the one of us podcasting that we did in vr but it's still it's really cool and it kind of and even though i i feel like i understand how the london market works a little better than the average agent i even still learned a ton from it it really shows you kind of how that works i've got to do that um it's it's neat i would i would i would do it and you can do it from your phone too i believe they, but should, it's not they the should update it with they like should. a camera like we use so it's mm-hmm. it's a you know, bit better richer experience you know mm-hmm. but I, when you're at low i mean you legitimately feel like you're at Lloyd. you're talking you're talking to you a, don't talk but there's there's someone talking as if they're you and it's okay. you're basically because like when you get a Lloyd's deck page back, it'll have, you know, 15 or, you know, six different syndicates on there. And right. each of them is taking another percentage of that risk. Right. Well, that has to be negotiated one-on-one with each syndicate. So it's taking you through that process of, Hey, I, I have this cyber renewal. What percentage of it do you want to take? Does it take things? you to the pub with them to <laughs> no, talk them into that <laughs> after hours? It doesn't do that part. Hey, uh, Albie, I got a question. You have opened up Pandora's box. Yeah, that's fine. I've got so many things I want to talk to you about. Bradley's going to run here. He's got a, a meeting he needs to, to to grab for a second. But explain to our listeners that are listening to this right now, you mentioned something earlier about a property tower. And I, I know I understand to some degree what that is. But explain to these guys listening what a property tower is related to uh, the North Carolina's insurance and, and how that would work. Yeah, sure. So uh, assume you're insuring some really large property schedule and it's, uh, it, it's more exposure than any single one company wants to, you know, wants, wants to get on. Sure. So you would, you would break that up into layers. So let's say you had a, had, you know, a, t- a $10 billion schedule of, of property. You, you might have a one or two or five or $10 million SIR. And then above above that, you might set up a fifty million dollar layer, right? That fifty million dollar layer would then, just like Bradley talked about, that fifty million dollar layer would get divided up by quota share on a number of different carriers or, or syndicates. So you might have carrier A come in and take twenty five percent of that of that first fifty million dollar layer, mm-hmm. and then other carriers come in for varying percentages until you complete that layer. And then you go in and let's say now we put a hundred million dollar layer X fifty. So now right. you go in and and you may have some carriers or some syndicates may participate in every single layer throughout the program. Others only want to play at the at the lower layers where there's more premium associated, and then others only want to play at the higher layers where you may end up having a one billion dollar layer over you know over a billion or five hundred right. million dollar layer, and, and so you have. You know, like we, I mean, I'll never forget sitting down with some some of these syndicates at Lloyd's and, you know, they only want to play in those really high layers, right? We want to play at 500 million X 1.5 billion, mm-hmm. right? That's it, right? And so they're not getting much rate for that exposure because you right. basically got to have a one and a half billion dollar loss before right. you touch those layers. Exactly. But, but that, but that's what they want. They want like, you know, if, if, if there's an event that impacts our layer, right, it's, we're, we're, we're for CNN insurance, right? right? It's some it's something so 
catastrophic that it is on the global international news. Sure. And then that's when our radar goes up that, well, we might be on that risk, right? They're not watching local right. news because they're not worried about it, right? If they're, it, they won't, they won't to only play in the layer where it's like a major, almost like global catastrophe type of an event. Yeah. So by that rationale, and I hope you guys understand what he's saying, basically what he's saying is you've got first dollar in those guys are getting the most premium for that risk, but they're also taking on the most risk because first dollar in on the lower layer is going to be, or the lowest level is going to have the most risk because if there's any claim associated with that risk, then they're going to have the opportunity there to pay out that claim where the guys in the, I call it the stratosphere up there. The stratosphere guys don't, don't make as much money. And like Abby just got through saying, it would have to be more of a catastrophic global event for them to, have to pay out, but at the same time, they're not making as much money on that risk either. Is that yeah, about where we yeah, are with yeah. that? No, yeah, that's exactly right. It's one of those things where illustrations and charts work really well, right, to to demonstrate that. It's a, maybe a little bit harder to do it from a oral narrative to describe Correct. how that works, but that's it. So that plays into one of the questions I wanted to talk with you about today. We know that 2023 is a hard market. You're You've been in the process of... <laughs> You've got eighty billion dollars uh worth you know worth of a property tower and and then and then you've got basically the state of North Carolina's insurance that you're helping to, you know, coordinate in a area, a lot of that area in North Carolina is in a coastal market. So how hard or difficult is that to do to I, I mean, obviously it's gotta be pretty tough, but what are you seeing, I guess, from your time working to develop that plan for the state of North Carolina's entire insurance program there uh, in terms of what your predictions are and the things you're seeing in 2023 with a hard market? Yeah. So specifically from the state standpoint, you know, we're on a we're on an April renewal. So we're you know, we're we're just into the throes of those meetings now. It, it'll we, be here before we, you know it, though. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. So we have meetings in London. We have meetings all over. We meet all of our domestic carriers in Atlanta. Sure. So all the all the domestic carriers come to Atlanta, and then we'll then we'll have our meetings with all the London carriers, and then we've got all the meetings with the reinsurers that we use out of Bermuda. And London's going to have to. You know, we're we're expecting London to step up big for us because the domestic carriers. We've already been notified of several domestic carriers that are either pulling back their quota shares mm. on different layers or they're pulling out of the program altogether just because mm. they just they just don't have they just don't have the capacity. Right. So um we're we're certainly expecting a challenging, a challenging renewal. And that really that that doesn't come as any surprise to anybody that's watching the insurance industry. I know I was talking to a member, actually a member that um insures one of my wife's multifamily uh units that has a uh, coastal exposure and you know what what she can expect on her you know on, on her renewals coming up and it's not uncommon right now for habitational risk multifamily risk on the coast to you're looking at 60 70 80 sometimes 100% increase over expiring premium yeah and so, that's that's where the my agency plays that's our big niche is multifamily single family investors all over the country and we are currently uh, playing a lot of defense 
We've got great people behind the scenes working those accounts, but it is it is an up at dawn, pride swallowing siege right now because of exactly what you just said. And and there's good news and bad news with that. You know, yes, it's happening to us and our agency, and we're on full. You know, we're we're the Ravens' defense right now, trying to keep what we've got. But at the same time. Because everybody's going through it, there's not many investors like your your wife that we call on that don't want us to take a look at their stuff. Right. You know, they're they're it's like uh I know your insurance is going up. This is what we do. We would love to be, you know, your risk management partner. Will you give us a shot? Well, hell yeah, I'll give you a shot, you know, that kind of thing. So yep. kind of works both ways. And it really goes back to some of the comments that when you guys were talking about the the situation with pharmacies and customer service and Bradley's right. advice. I mean, if you're gonna deliver bad news, can you deliver bad news with empathy? And Scott, when I when I was in the business and this was, you know, I, I've been in the business since I graduated from Georgia in nineteen ninety-one and Probably, I think it was probably late nineties. I I, uh, I was working for the Independent Insurance Agency of Georgia. One of our ch- chairman of the board at the time had a specialty of medical malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. Very successful in that field. Did a great, just a great agent, great agency, and it was in a very hard market for med mal. And I remember asking him, it's like, so you know, what, how, how's it going? He goes, well, because my he goes, my one one thing I do every morning is I stand in the mirror and I practice my sad face. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right, right. so, uh, you know, it's like you, you want to have you want to have empathy, but at the same time, you know, it's um you don't set the rate. Right. I right, mean, you don't right. you didn't you, you didn't set the rate when maybe the insurance companies were undercharging a bit and you're not setting the rate when maybe the insurance companies are overcharging, at least from the consumer's perspective a bit. So, you know, good news is independent agents still get paid on commission and, and a hard market. Certainly not the worst thing in the world to right. happen if if you're able to still find availability, right? Sometimes where, where you really fall into a problem and, and we're, I, I hope that we don't end up entering this realm of hard market. And that's when it's not about affordability and it becomes about availability, right? right. You just, you can't find the coverage at any cost. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a kind of a different, different animal altogether. Yeah. That's if some of the things hadn't happened in Florida that have happened, I was afraid they were just going to get to a place where from a capacity standpoint, I can't imagine being an insurance agent and the only market might be citizens, you know, that, that would be, uh, that's, that's insane. Like that's the only place somebody could get insurance, but it felt like that's kind of where we were headed for a while. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but I was, I was, I was on the phone with an agent on, um, I think it was on Thursday of last week. And he told me, he goes, Hey, every morning he goes, I get up and in, in a very specific order, he goes, I thank God for the he goes in this order. I thank God for the North Carolina wind pool, the health of my children, and my wonderful wife. That's it. <laughs> That's a great line. So, hey, before we get off this podcast today, I want to talk to you. There was something very specific that we wanted to talk about, and that I wanted to learn more about from you today. And it's something that you played a huge role in developing, and it's the InsureTech Accelerator. I think I may have gotten a few emails about it, uh, heard it talked about in the industry a little bit, but tell our audience a little bit about what you've done in developing this accelerator for for you guys. Yeah, I guess, it, and Scott, I'll, I'll back up a little bit from that. And instead of talking about the what we're doing, I want to talk about the why we're doing it. And, right. and, and certainly from a why standpoint, you know, I believe, I believe that independent insurance agents 
can absolutely continue to be successful and thrive in the marketplace if they have the the right technology. Mm-hmm. So so that's so that that's really our why. And and when I start thinking about if if I really believe that agents will can be successful into the future with the right technology, well, what has to happen? And obviously, we've got situations now where agencies are slow to adopt technology, and mm-hmm. and I think it's like a whole thing, right? It's like one, they have to know that the technology exists. Correct. All right. Well, let's do everything we can to to talk to agents about the different parts of an agent's tech stack and and what they need. And and then two, let's dive deeper into these agencies that won't help and let's help them actually implement tech. But right. as as we start looking at new solutions that were out there and, and at IINC, we've looked at a lot of, you know, new tech. We've we've made equity investments in several pieces of uh several companies that are offering new technology tools to agents. We just start thinking about that whole ecosystem and mm-hmm one item that kind of predicates agents learning about tech and then implementing tech is the technology must actually exist, right? I mean, somebody's got to actually build the software and take it to market. And and so we started looking at all the insure tech opportunities out there from an accelerator standpoint. And as, as you well know, I mean, insure tech has come a long way over the past five or six years from it being predominantly we're going to disintermediate agents, right? We're right. going to replace agents with algorithms and bots, and we're going to go direct to the consumer, and we can do this, and and we'll, we'll disrupt this trillion dollar industry. Correct. And um, and by and large, that that hasn't happened. So what we've seen in I, I think a shift in insure tech is tech that is out there now to support agents, and right. we think it's imperative for the for the agency community to support not only the new tech that does get developed, but support this idea of new tech being developed to support the agency system. So so I've, I've talked with with my board of directors at IINC about this, and, and we have started what has been labeled 101 Weston Labs, which is the name of our InsureTech Accelerator. And I've put together an advisory council of really forward-thinking, very progressive independent agents from across the country to support us in this effort. And we're we're putting together, I guess what you would think about when you think about an accelerator working with early stage companies to better position them to enter the marketplace and to kind of get them ready to track to attract outside investment sure. so that they can so that they can scale. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's kind of what the role of an accelerator is. And and but when we look at this, like what's our value differentiator? at 101 Weston Labs. And that's going to be the ability to provide a community of insurance agents that are willing to provide user feedback, that are willing to validate products by uh, by testing products out, you know, by, by being the beta testers and taking a look at these products and providing feedback for, you know, the user experience and the user interface and hopefully impacting how these products are being designed to, to make them most worthwhile for independent insurance agents. So I don't I don't know if you realize this or not, but at the One City World Tour, I know that we had one, if not two, uh sponsors at that at that event that would definitely qualify as insure techs that I, I would venture to bet ninety nine point nine 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 percent of agents there would not have known who they were or what they did. 
Yep. Uh, my agency's currently working with, I believe, three insurtechs that are not on anybody's radar right now for for different things. For you know, um, d- different different areas of technology that we're beta testing. Uh, some of these guys are working with one of them in particular was working with Hawksoft uh, and using their API to help with uh, coordinating documents that come in that, that are unmatched and looking at carriers that are not downloading and being able to pull in information from different places to input into Hawksoft almost uh, via automation and some really cool stuff that's out there that nobody really knows who these people are. So I, I commend you for wanting to find those particular uh, types of companies and then kind of helping hold their hand through that process and giving them the ability to come to agencies like mine and Bradley's and other agents and let them beta test and then give their honest and open feedback on, yes, this is something that somebody needs to invest in or no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. My my view there, Scott, is that agents need to have a voice at the insure tech table. And sure. I'm talking about and I'm gonna talk I'm talking about Bain Street agents, agencies right. like yours and Bradley's. And there's some great insure tech accelerators out yep. there. I mean, we we think the world of like what broker tech ventures is doing. Right. And and that and that's the closest to what we're doing because that was formed by agencies. But it was formed by a different kind of agency. I mean, this is formed by top 10, top 15 national broker. Sure. And and that's and and they have a little bit different view of the technology that needs to be built to support what what I more refer to as like a main street insurance agent, right? Right. right. Um, where which is where 80% of independent insurance agencies out there, you know, are are gonna be 10 and fewer employees and and dealing with you know, less than $1.5 million in revenue. Correct. Right? So, so where's the technology that's being developed to support, to support those agents and how can those agents have a seat at the table for new innovation that that's going to support, support the industry. So, so where are you guys right now in the process? You know, you mentioned the name 101 Weston labs, but in terms of bringing in some of these, I don't know if we should call them startup insure techs, but Maybe maybe that's the the correct terminology, but yeah, where early, are you? Early, yeah, we use the early term stages. early 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 yeah. stage. Yeah, early, early early stage companies, and we're so so we haven't gone live yet. We're recording this on February the sixth. Correct. Um, we we will we will announce within two weeks. We will announce this initiative to the world, okay. um, and website will be live, and and at that point we will start really looking like like you. You mentioned there might be there might be two or three companies at uh, one city world tour that might be interested. At that point in time, we will start pushing word out. I mean, we've got all all the press is ready to go. We've got a PR firm. Everything's ready ready to roll, and we'll start recruiting companies. We'll open up the process to application. Right, and, and from from the agency side, for the agents that are listening to this right now, do you already have? Uh, a group of say I don't know three five six ten however many agencies that are going to be the beta testers or is there an opportunity for somebody listening to this right now as a retail agency that kind of falls in that that scope of what we were talking about earlier to to be one of the agencies that that's able to to, to test this particular technology oh absolutely um absolutely there's room I mean one of the one of the things that we're that we're going because you know one you don't want to give people 
fatigue. Right. Sure. I mean, like, I don't want, let's say our, our, our good friend, Daniel Sung, right? Daniel's right. super interested in uh, beta testing tech. Well, I, I don't want to, we may have seven companies in the cohort. I don't want to fatigue one person right. and asking right. them to, be, to beta test seven different products, right? So we're going to need a, a, a wide, bench. we're going to need a deep bench to mm-hmm. so that we can, all right, let's have this group where we can announce like, all right, we've got early stage companies that are seeking to provide solutions to independent agents in these right. areas. Scott, which ones would you be willing to beta test for? You know, sure. like which one, which one would you like to beta test? Daniel, which one would you like to beta test? And we we may want 15, 20 agencies beta testing each one of those products Correct. and provide providing with all the fee, you know, providing the early stage company with feedback. So we are very specifically going to be looking for early stage technology companies that are looking to support agents, right? I mean, obviously no direct to consumer plays. I mean, we are looking to support main street insurance agents and we're looking for companies that have definitely, they already have built out what in the industry referred to as an MVP, right? They've got a minimally viable product and this is not a hard, fast carved in stone rule, but we're probably going to be looking for companies that are, Early stage revenue, right? They're right, they're probably right. going to have some annual recurring revenue, so ARR probably within that twenty five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars per year mm-hmm. for company for companies that are well over a hundred thousand dollars per year. They've probably already gone through a Series A round or or right. probably very close to that. We're we're looking for companies that have maybe had a friends and family round. Right. Um, and and we're looking to provide some money for seed invest, you know, for a, a seed round and maybe get them positioned for Series A. That's beautiful. So are you able now, knowing that the podcast you and I are recording right now, probably, and I can ask Bradley to verify this, probably won't come out for three weeks, three to four weeks. Would you, could you be willing to give these guys the website they could go to check this out that are listening to the podcast? I sure hope it's 101westinlabs.com. Okay. But um okay. but it's not it's not live yet so I can't even go and check that. But let me no, let okay. me sh- let, let me shoot a team's message real quick and uh and make make sure. Well, before I let you go, I just want to say this. I love you very much and when you're ready to go eat those elk sliders in Austin, Texas, I only need about a two-day notice and I'm in the car. I'll be like that lab that jumps in the truck with you to head down there. Yeah, awesome, man. I can't I can't wait. I can't wait to do that. And I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed meeting Kim that night. And I'm yeah. I'm I'm glad that she ended up sitting in between us because I, <laughs> I can I, I can talk to you anytime. And it was it was right. nice to and it is 101westinlabs.com. So okay. that will be the website address by the time this airs. There is um, not many days in my life now that go by that I don't think about those elk sliders we <laughs> ate at that place. That was the best. I, I just remember looking over at Kim and she looked at me and I was like, this might be the best thing that I've ever put in my mouth ever. Uh, I don't know what was in them. I don't know how they cooked them. I didn't really check any. <laughs> it's kind of dark in there, but I just remember thinking that might be the best thing I've ever had in my mouth. They were absolutely delicious, man. That absolutely. Was good. Well, Hey, I'll be, I love you, brother. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to shut this thing down. Anything else before we go? No, man, I, I can't tell you how much I, I appreciate what you and Scott do for this industry. And I, I told so many people, Scott, like everybody want to know, well, how was One City World Tour? And, and, I, and I want to tell you guys this because I haven't shared this with you. I said, you know what, really, I imagine it to be like what the early days of the association must have been like 125 right. years ago, right. where it's just a group of agents that are out trying to do the right thing, trying to help each other, trying to make the industry a better place. 
with um and and it's fantastic and and I love it. I love you guys and I really appreciate everything you do for for the industry. So let me let me know how I can help and I can't wait to have some help sliders with you, buddy. There you go. Well, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to Bradley about this yet, but uh I'm considering he just walked back in the door, by the way. I I'm considering talking to him about me taking it over next year. And uh I, I met with some people last week and uh doing something a lot the same but a little different. I thought the event was fantastic. I did keep my promise and I tried to hug every neck that was there and spend time with people. And I think I did a pretty fair job of that, but I ended up getting COVID and spent about a week, week and a half under the weather because of it, but it was, it was worth it. I I really, really enjoyed seeing everybody there. It was a lot of fun, but guys, as I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion, get your ass out from behind that desk today, go out into the big, bad world. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there. Figure out what your why is and stop letting all that negative stuff that happened to you when you were younger and the coach or the parent or the teacher or whoever that told you you weren't ever going to mount to anything. You know, that that label is on your heart and you need to erase that label. And you need to go out and live the life that Bradley Flowers and Albie Knight and Scott Howell know that you deserve to live. And go out and work hard today, make money and and support your family, write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Albie. Albie, we love you, brother. Thanks, guys. Anything I can do for you, let me know. Same here. Same here. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.